Sofía Huerta. Domina Alex Morgan, le pasa a Swanson y a correr aquí. Va Swanson, gana la posición. Viene, 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 viene. Welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. We've had a couple interviews recently, but this episode is just us. It's just us. It's OG Squad. Me, Andre Carlisle, here as always with Courtney Stiff. Courtney, how are you? I'm good, but Andre, you didn't introduce yourself with your full no, name. No, I, I did not, and we're going to move on. <laughs> no, it's because his full name is Reverend Deacon Skyscraper Andre the Latavius Jerome Leotis Andrelton Carlisle of the Church <laughs> of Holy Trinity of Cat Sophia and Kadisha Buchanan. Amen and hallelujah. <laughs> okay. That is so... such a magna. Honestly, I kind of want to put that on a billboard. What a magnificent full name you have. <laughs> so we're doing that. It's going to be that type of episode. We All are right. Latavius. Okay. Wow. I literally Latavius. texted you Latavius wow. like three days ago. <laughs> you really and I was did. like, will you respond to me? Really ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Latavius, please. Can we just stick with Andre? I feel like that's, <laughs> I feel like that's not too much to ask. Um, <laughs> y'all straight killing me. Um, so yes. Uh, that was a beautiful you? moment in the group chat. Oh my God. I was crying my eyes out. Um, I'm fine for the most part. It's randomly snowed today. Yeah, no. Which I was not mm-hmm. expecting after it being like really nice last week. Um, but yeah, I mean waiting honestly it's just like this really weird time of waiting for the NWSL to start. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It feels like it's weird because I'm super glad there's no challenge cup or anything. Like no no preseason tournament that's just gonna be like in the way before the season. So I'm excited to have a real like regular season kickoff weekend where it's not like yeah we've been seeing these teams play competitively now for like a month mm-hmm. um so i'm excited about that but also it feels like preseason's been forever yeah it feels like preseason has been like this has been really really long i think it's also we're in the and to be fair i was writing about this earlier today and yesterday that like we're in this kind of weird time where it's like okay that we're waiting for the nwsl to start but also like very specific players from the league are fit because they're it we just had an international window yeah. and we basically only have two more windows till the world cup starts in july and so it's just like i don't know the like it's just like the vibes are off this was a <laughs> to me a not a great black history month mm. like did very different from the last two black history months probably maybe shame on myself for thinking that people actually had like lasting change but mm. yeah vibes have just been off yeah, well, we, we just tweeted that, and as we have said before, Black History Year is what it is, all year, every year, so we just keep doing that, and I also just wanted to note uh, on the Twitter account that we are claiming March, because but the hell y'all gonna give us the shortest month uh, <laughs> on the calendar, that's not happening, we just gonna take over whatever months we need to take over, so we're gonna do that, but yeah, there has been a noticeable drop-off, and we'll probably talk about that uh, a bit more, but let's get to a review, because this is what we do, getting back on track with the way that we normally do this. This review is from Cookies3. Cookies with a Z, by the way. Uh, Dad Joke Within is what it's called, so you automatically you understand that you you understood the assignment. Thank you. Question. Appreciate it. What's blue and not very heavy? Light blue. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a fantastic pod. Courtney and Andre are smart football analysts who bring a much-needed perspective to football coverage. P.S. Ghost Spirit. I agree with the ghost spirit part. I can't agree with the other part because it gives me a compliment and that just might sound arrogant. <laughs> um, also, congratulations, uh, sir, of 57 podcasts. Oh, <laughs> we should have added that to your name. Oh, the, yeah. No, really, it's, no, it's, it's a Church of Holy Trinity podcasts. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you're currently on about, uh, um, as the ancestors say, about 511 podcasts. Pretty uh, much. I don't know how this happened in my life, but it's true. You're a podcasting king. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I need to I need to slow down. But wait, but plug plug your new podcast for the people. Uh, yes, yes. If you are a spirit fan or interested in spirit things, I'm starting a new podcast with um, two of my really, I guess, colleagues, uh, Annie and Joe, Joe Dabney and uh, Annie Elliott, who are helping me cover the spirit this season uh, for the district press. 
Uh, the, sp- the Spirit Podcast is called Hey Spirits because, of course, it had to be. Uh, and so you can follow that at Hey Spirits as well. And we are really looking forward to dropping the first episode, I believe, next week. Very, very exciting. Very Indeed. exciting. Um, all right. So before we get into the rundown and everything, I just wanted to throw out a correction because I heard from a couple of people, um, maybe not even a correction, just just an explanation. Uh, from, I heard from a couple of people when we did the crossover with Shea Butter FC, shout out to them, uh, that when we used the Canada roster, we used uh, their pre-camp roster. Obviously, we know now that a lot was happening behind the scenes of that Canada team. We also know that eventually, if they had their way, they were not going to play. They wanted to go on strike. So there was clearly a lot going on that we weren't privy to. So we used the information we had at the time, and we did end up reviewing a roster that did not turn out to be the final one that they played with. But again, we did not have all of that information. So apologies for that. But also, the stuff going to happen, y'all. Stuff sometimes, sometimes things are, especially when it comes to feds and whatnot, and we're going to talk about feds uh, later on in this episode things are going to get a little messy. And so we apologize for that, but also we're going off the information we have. I was like, we're going off the information we're privy to. (laughs) Correct. Yes. Like, yes, hindsight's 2020, but like we weren't, we, we weren't in hindsight. We were in real time. (laughs) That's, that that is true. We were not in hindsight. (laughs) I like the way you put that. So correct. So on this episode, uh, we're going to look at winners and losers. So we're going to do talk about She Believes. We're going to talk about the international windows overall because there are many, many tournaments, many, many games. Um, we got more, a couple more, what, a couple more international breaks before the World Cup. We're going to talk about who looks good and who doesn't. Um, and then, of course, we're going to talk about federations just being awful all around the world on just about every continent. And, well, actually, no, not on... No. I had to do in my brain, I had to do the math thing and like go back to like elementary school when you learn about all the continents and whatnot. And I was like, oh yeah, it's not every continent because some of those you can't play soccer on. I was like, um, you can't play footy in Australia. <laughs> I meant, sorry, not Australia. Oh my God, Antarctica. <laughs> there you go. See, I'm glad you said it, not me, because that's I where literally, my brain was going to go. <laughs> I was thinking about Antarctica. I was like picturing snow and that really unfortunate scene that I have not, I have not read Prince Harry's book. However, when that book dropped, it was all over my TikTok FYP, and I learned so much about him in that book. And I'm not <laughs> going to say what I learned about him in Antarctica during that book, but I was thinking of Antarctica, and I did not mean to say Australia. <laughs> um, but the whole last World An- Cup happened Antarctica. later on in this. But I know. Yes. <laughs> It happens. Uh, like I said, better you than me because I was the reason I didn't even say Antarctica because I knew in my head that my mouth was going to say Australia. And I was like, I'm going to avoid that mistake because that'd be embarrassing. So sorry, but thanks. <laughs> thanks for taking one for the team. Um, all right. You know what? Let's just get into it. All right. So let's just start with She Believes because she believed, some people didn't believe. By the end of it, I'm not sure anybody really believed except Japan. But we're gonna I was get like, in. I believe in Japan. <laughs> yeah, Actually, right. I also believe in Brazil. I let's talk about it. Okay, let's <laughs> winners and losers. Winners and losers. Uh, Courtney, who's winners? Please. All right. So for our winners, we have Japan, obviously. Indeed. Because they were ex- they were balling out, and honestly, yes. quite unfortunate, Loki, not to win this tournament, but yeah, at least not score more goals. Uh. Also winner, Mal Swanson. Pew, pew, pew. So what, six goals in six games? Six goals in five games? Something like two game winners. She's been scoring a lot of goals, y'all. That's all you <laughs> need to know. She's been scoring a lot of goals, balling out, scoring really from every position on the field, too, and scoring a whole bunch of different goals. Uh, so definitely a winner. Another winner is um, whoever's going to face the U.S. in the round of 16 at the World Cup. <laughs> We're going to get into that later. Another winner, Marta and all of her fans, including us. So see the return of Marta. We won. Two touches in assist to get Brazil actually the win over Japan. Also another winner, Lynn Williams. A lot of her haters have been very quiet recently. Oh, I don't so know if you quiet. noticed, but they've been oh, oh so quiet. Can't even hear them. Uh, but definitely a winner, Lynn Williams. For our losers, and we're going to get into this later, um, Canada Soccer versus Canada's Federation. Another loser, Japan's Federation. Also going to get into that. Um, and then specifically out of this category, we have winners and losers. <laughs> this made me laugh. A winner and loser, Ludmila, Because she could have had a hat trick of... She really could have had a hat trick when Brazil played Canada, but was very unlucky, like, in front of net. But also, 
she was the first player to score against the U.S. Yeah. In a very long time. So you got to have a winner for that. And I feel like, honestly, she probably hurt us. And she was like, <laughs> oh, really? And then decided to dunk and <laughs> score on the U.S. Um, and then another winner and loser are U.S. Women's National Team fans. Because winning games, mouth you balling out. You know that Sophia Smith is coming back. Naomi Gurma, flawless as ever. But also, the midfield ain't right. No. The midfield is not midfielding. No. So, Andre, let's start off with let's start off with the winners. Which winner do you want to talk about? Um, you know what? Let let's get into. I want to talk about uh, Mal Swanson and Lynn Williams. So, I just want to talk about Mal because I believe, and for some reason, whenever they, I understand like the calendar turn, and so it became 2023, and so people are focusing on just 2023. But she scored that goal that gave us the win against Germany which was kind of crucial. You know, remember that in November? So I'm like, let's add that to the list. So I think it's like seven goals in her, or maybe seven or eight goals in her last like six games, something like that. It's, it's ridiculous. And it goes back to that game uh, against Germany. But yeah, I, you mentioned the variety of goal scoring. Yo, she is in unreal form right now. I, I think, and to be honest, I shouldn't even say right now because even though Chicago didn't make a bunch of noise in the NWSL, she had her best season as far as goal output um, and assist output um, in the NWSL last season in 2022. She has been in outrageous form. Whatever she has figured out has been great. And it was really dope just to see her. Because I was, I'm not going to lie, without Sophia Smith, I was a little worried because it seems like, especially in like the CONCACAF W championship, it was like Sophia Smith going to do something. You know what I mean? Like she she mm-hmm. had gotten to the point. She was NWSL MVP and everything. Like she was playing out of her mind uh, and she really led the Portland Thorns. So you're just thinking like, okay, without Sophia Smith, this is going to get interesting. You know, Trinity Robin got a lot of time. It was interesting to see how that was going to play out. And Mal said, don't worry about it. I got it. Uh, and it was just dope to see her rise to that occasion and do it. And I today I reposted her goal against Japan. The, the three touches that she takes, maybe four touches that she takes on that bouncing ball as she's running full speed and taking, she basically is taking touches while she's running by another professional athlete. It doesn't make any sense. You shouldn't really be able to do that. And each touch is like perfect, just perfectly moves the ball exactly where she needs it to be. Especially my, I think my favorite one is where she puts it out just in front of herself far enough to where she can be, take her next touch in full stride. So you see her just completely open up her legs, like straight up, give it a touch on the ball to move it forward. And it's just, it's, that's how you're supposed to play. It's just, it's gorgeous to watch. And she is just unreal. And that's what, that's why she's so dangerous. So like, I, I was, I was happy to see. And also stop talking about Dansby. <laughs> I was actually going to say <laughs> another winner, Dansby sponsor. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I thought there was supposed to be some type of world record that they were trying to beat because every time we saw her succeed, was, they got it. They said, Ooh, you know why she's successful? Her <laughs> husband. And not saying that support systems like aren't important for these athletes, right. but like right. also they're making it seem like dance. We taught her how to kick a soccer ball. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was I was like, say, she been, she, she made her, what she made a U.S. Women's national team debut when she was 17. Like stop playing. <laughs> like, like, just, like I understand she's in great form, but stop playing. This is an exceptional player. and has been for years. Yeah, it was definitely very like it was a very funny moment. Um, Andre, I have some stats for you. So, and well, these are partially updated, partially not updated, and I really, I wish they were. However, she has scored a truly a silly amount of goals. So, I got some stats for you. Since twenty twenty two, from twenty twenty two on, Malpu has appeared in quick quick math. 14 matches. That sounds right. 14 matches, matches she has. So, yes, sorry. I'm okay, national. So, this is okay. very specific to the national team. This is not including the NWSL. But she has appeared, sorry, not 14, 13 matches, because I can't do math. She scored 10 goals in 13 matches and assisted four times. So, she's averaging either a goal or an assist in each game since. Um, it's, it's technically I started from the 2022 friendlies on. I didn't include She Believes because that was a weird time. Um, but if we do want to include She Believes, that's another three goals for her and another assist for her. So, you know, if we quick math it, 17 and 17 appearances. 
she's had she's averaged either goal and assist per game if not more yeah yeah i'm just it's it's been great and and you know part of that was you know a lot of the focus went to sophia smith so i think one of the things and we'll get into it because i don't necessarily think the u.s women's national team and black co showed a lot in this tournament I think there's maybe an intangible part that they quote unquote showed, but I also think that that kind of stuff is real flimsy as we saw in the Olympics. Like you can be like, we don't lose, but then all of a sudden you get three goals put on your head. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? So like, I I think it's more than that. And we've been saying that for a while on the podcast, you just can't be, you know, that this whole spirit and American spirit and never say die and don't give up and all of that stuff doesn't really mean anything if you ain't got the tactics to make sure that you can like control phases of play and dominate when you need to um yeah I want to say it's a perfect it's truly it's so in those I expanded it to include all of 2022 even though she's she's really been on hot fire all of 2022 and it's Andre it's perfect it's she's had 20 goal contributions in 20 matches there we go. See, I see. I, I wasn't. Nice? I wasn't a. F- <laughs> but yeah, it's like a, she's truly averaging, and I mean, like I will say for other parts of it, she did have more assists. Like for the friendlies in twenty twenty two, and also the W champ, she had a few more assists. Yeah. But really, in the past, I'm going to say two windows, her goal contributions have really picked up. Especially, I think at that time where we were like, "Oh no, Cat is injured. Where are the goals going to come from?" And yeah. Malpe was like, "Or sorry, Mal Swanson was like, excuse me, right here.'" And yeah. then. Yeah, Mal and Sophia, and which is why I'm really excited to see all three together. So I'm really kind of waiting to see because honestly, like Cat is so good that the rest of the issues might not matter. But I just also get very frustrated because if the rest of the issues were just fixed, because it's not a matter of talent, it's a matter of tactics. And therefore, it shouldn't be a problem heading into a World Cup. You play a bunch of games to fix these issues heading into a World Cup. And so it's frustrating that there's still issues, but whatever. Okay, let's move on. I want to talk about Lynn Williams, because as you mentioned, the haters are very quiet, super quiet. Can't hear them. Cough of a mouse. Sneeze of a goldfish? I don't know. What? I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but basically, they're just quiet. Um but yeah, I think I think it's great to have Lynn back. I was very concerned about that injury. She I mean, she said her whole hamstring just fell off, which does doesn't make any sense. Sounds it's, literally like torture. It really does. It sounds like something you see in a Saw movie. Like I just I don't I didn't want to hear anything about that. It was disgusting. And she was just like on the on the podcast. She was just like, yeah, it it just came off. I was like, Lynn, what are you talking about? Um, so yeah, it's great to see her back and. I'm glad that people are finally, some people, some, hopefully, are finally starting to see what, like, I pressing has become such an integral part of, like, modern football. Like, of course, starting in the men's game, but now I think we see it so much in the women's game as well. Like, I think Japan and Brazil's best performances came when their press was on point. Like, Japan pressed the hell out of us, and that's why we look so disjointed. Uh, mm-hmm. And Brazil did the same thing. So I think when you see other teams having success with pressing, pressing styles and and structures, I think it shows, it kind of makes it easier to be able to notice when other players do certain things. And Lynn Williams absolutely just made that last goal because, uh, what was it, the the second goal against Brazil, because she gets in there and she's just, she's, she's, she's basically an extra defender. She's extremely hard to get away from. She, her acceleration, as we know, is ridiculous. But it's more than that. You can't just be fast. I mean, we've seen that a lot. It's not like every fast attacker is a great defender or a great, you know, pressing player. Lynn Williams is. She understands where the ball wants to go. She understands angles. She understands how to close down and then also how to get a foot on the ball. She's able to read and anticipate the passes that are coming to try to evade her pressure. And she's very good at creating those high turnovers, which is something you desperately, desperately need in order to make chances easier for yourself, especially when you got a midfield that can't really build up and carry the ball and progress the ball the way they should. So Lynn Williams is going to be extremely important and she, and it, the, she better be on the flight to New Zealand and it, and we don't need Serena Weigman to, to, to be able to tell us that that needs to happen this time. Yeah, I think she really does. I can't remember where I said it to you and I couldn't decide if I wanted to phrase it as like she covers up a lot or she fixes a lot. And maybe it's like a bit of both. Um, where we've seen, you know, so much, like, I feel like the, what the few times we've seen, quote unquote, like, Vlatko ball has been when she's been on the pitch, thinking all the way back to that that game against Serena Weigman and 
and the Netherlands during the Olympics, both of those goals came from Lynn. She assisted one and scored yep. the other. Yep. Um, and so she really is crucial to the plans, especially if, you know, it, at least what I've kind of seen a little bit, and this does stem from the midfield issues of, like, the U.S. has very much been a lob the ball over the top type of team, which is not necessarily the most fun football to watch. But I will say when you do have, you know, players who are making smart and intelligent runs like Lynn Williams, like a Mal Pugh, that can work in your favor. But also when you do want to counter press um, or, to, you know, press the ball in general, having players that can, you know, who are who have really high soccer IQs, which I feel like a lot of people don't take into account the importance of soccer IQ when pressing um, and being able to very quickly and efficiently read the game to not only decide when to press, but also quickly reading, figuring out where, you know, the opposition is trying to pass the ball and trying to intercept it, which is 100% what we saw Lynn Williams doing really a lot of the times when she came on the pitch. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm really excited that she, uh, I get the pleasure of watching her up close almost every single week now that she plays for Gotham. But um, the Lynn, it's that the Lynn Williams comeback season is on. Yes, very much so. And I, I mean, we'll, we may get in. We're, so we are going to do an end of your cell preview once the season gets closer. And I'll have more to say about it then. But I think the only mistake that Kansas City made was doing what they did to Lynn. I think she is going to have a hell of a season. People forget she is a former league MVP as well. So like mm-hmm. Lynn's been doing this for a while and she's been very, very good. And the crazy thing is, I don't even think she's 30 yet. Um, I don't know. Let's see. How old is Lynn? Off the top of my head, I don't know why I want to say she's 30, but she honestly might not be. Lynn is, is Lynn 29. She will uh, be 30 May 21st. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah she's not even 30. So <laughs> that's, it's insane. Um, Just like, and I mean, I like not saying that the other forwards that we've been seeing also have not been great in moments, but there really is a huge difference when she is on the pitch for the team. Yeah. And so definitely. I'm also curious what's going to happen when we know that Kat's coming back. We know that for a very long time, his favorable three, you know, obviously when all are healthy are a Sophia Smith, a Mal Pugh, a Kat. And so when Lynn is so integral to a lot of what Vlaka wants to do, I'm curious to see how she fits into the picture. Well, so, that, so that's going to be very interesting too, because pretty much all last season, uh, all last year, Lynn was out. So Sophia Smith really took that role on the right wing, which was dope, and we really needed it. And she was exceptional all year. I mean, she went, finally, they got it right with the U.S. Women's National Team Player of the Year and uh, named her the Player of the Year. She was great. And so it is going to be very interesting because as much as I love Sophia Smith and everything that she can do, it's just really hard to replicate what Lynn Williams does and how she contributes defensively and then how she's able to turn those defensive contributions and I don't even say defensive I think sometimes people say defensive winger and they just assume that a winger who's very good a winger who basically should be a fullback and that's not what we're talking about we're talking about oppressing we're talking about somebody who is on the attack when it comes to defending getting the ball back those types of things that's what she's great at and when you have somebody who does that it is it is really really beneficial um one thing I do want to say though what and I know we're going it? long on the USMS national team and I apologize but one thing I want to say is I kind of want Blacko to stop trying to make Trinity Robin a, a baby Lynn Williams, because even though I think Trinity can do a lot of the same pressing things, their games are very different and they're very different types of players. And mm-hmm. so I was a little disappointed to see the way that they were being, that she was being used. And there were a lot of times when she had the ball and could drive into the box and she just didn't because she just figured my goal is to assist over here. I'm not really meant to take initiative. And it just seemed like if she was playing for the spirit, if she was playing in a different system, she absolutely would have done that because she's very confident. She backs herself and she's very good at doing that. By the way, she has a very good shot with her right or her left foot. She's she also loves to assist. But I think it was it it, it just kind of bummed me out a bit having watched Trin uh, for a what couple years now since her rookie year and then her and then her, and her second year in the league in the NWSL last year that she's still kind of. Is in, a, in his, is in a situation where basically he said, here's what Lynn does. You just do that. And it's like, well, okay. First of all, what Lynn does is ridiculous. We just talked about it. But also they're two different players. 
treat them differently. Yeah, I actually feel that way about a lot of the players or like I I if I'm I'll just speak in plain terms. I feel for example the exact same way about Midge as well, another player who's very very good on one on one and likes driving in the box and scoring and all those things and I I remember I mean I noticed this last season with Gotham to be fair Gotham was just not in great not great vibes last season but that was one thing I did um pick up on a little bit was how Flacco likes to take these players who to be fair especially with like Trinity and Midge are very very good on the ball and very very good 1v1 and yes can get best people and you know play a ball across but they also very much enjoy score like scoring goals and trying to turn these players that like you know we're used to seeing more as goal threats into more assist threats and so it's also a little perplexing at a time where we were like we don't know where the goals are going to come from or (laughs) the you like the u.s attack is a little bit disjointed of trying to turn a player who could you know get you goals into a player who you want more for assists yeah agreed um all right uh where should we go next because i mean i think when it comes to losers in this section we basically have the federations to talk about and we're going to talk about them later so what else should we should we move on from the she release cup or is there something is something else we need to pick out oh i was saying naomi Gurma has been very very good still um oh she saved us so many times <laughs> yeah and uh <laughs> i particularly have been enjoying her center back pairing with Naomi Gurma, sorry, Naomi Gurma was Naomi (laughs) Gurma. Um, (laughs) We need to figure out how to do that before the World Cup. It's like playing FIFA 11 Naomi Gurmas (laughs) versus 11 Katerine Macarias. It's something I'd like to say, actually. Um, Anyway, (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about the federations later, and we also gave a shout to Ludmila. Um, Just a quick shout on Brazil. Uh, There's, to me, they're still my dark horse. Um, I wish I saw more of. Marta, Dabinia, Caroline on the pitch at all times. Yeah. Um, Actually, I have a question for you on this. What do you think about Caroline's like deeper role in midfield? Um, after, well, so first I saw a lineup and I said, "Did they put Caroline in the six? <laughs> and I was like, "No, <laughs> she was playing in it." Everyone's a six. Um, I think so. I well, I think of it in two ways. Where do I think? That she's going to play in that role long term? No. Do I also think with Marta coming back and Marta getting full fitness that she'll probably be moved out towards the wing and have Marta kind of filling in that space? Yes. So I haven't like really pondered about it because I felt like it was a, hey, we don't have Marta here. But also, I don't know, I was thinking about this. Um, this is a completely different situation and it's also about men's soccer in Italy. <laughs> but Milan brought, put one of their like one of their best actually one on one forward like uh and contributors they like they're a shit show and so they brought him back for a game and they saw it like he was really starting to feed the ball in more and help start the attack differently um and so for a moment i like understood it but if i'm being honest i thought i was like this seems like a a temporary thing not a long-term thing so i don't i know that was a lot of meal mouth <laughs> so i don't really have strong opinions on it because i think once Marta gets back in full fitness, she's very likely going to be in that role a lot more. But I also understand, for example, even though we love seeing Caroline on the wing and she does work back to defend, like sometimes Brazil can get carved open. And so yeah, if you have a quick player who is farther back, let's say, in the field to try to stave off some of those counterattacks, I get it. But I also don't think it's going to happen in the... Like, I don't 100% see her playing in that role at the world cup yeah that's fair that's fair it was it was an interesting one but i think you're right when it comes to marta that's gonna be you know she'll she'll be in there to progress the ball yeah that's that's honestly what i thought um i mean if she does turn up there i'm gonna be like well i was just extremely wrong but um (laughs) yeah i just like think that's it's like to me kind of the role that marta has and it's like oh we're just kind of waiting for marta to get back fit and then because marta i i think it was what four migas final game and i was mad she didn't start but marta was kind of sitting in that role and then you had like dabinia closest to her and then caroline on the wing and i was like oh this is probably how this is gonna work for brazil <laughs> so i've just kind of stuck with that waiting for marta to come back from from injury yeah you know what for my my big takeaway from brazil uh for brazil was 
I thought what they did so well against the U.S. was first, their high press was just working. It was mm -hmm. very good. It interrupted a lot of build-up play, and we just could not get out. <laughs> um, but I also think what they ended up doing, and they didn't do it every single time, but their best opportunities came when they would either win the ball and then switch it or win the ball and basically recycle it. So there are a lot of times when they win the ball high and they just kind of go a bit too they're, – they're a bit too – chaotic when they attack and sometimes that's good because they're unpredictable but there were a few times when they had like backhill flick passes and they just weren't on the same page and it was very mm -hmm. easy like it took an opportunity that was going to be very dangerous and exciting and it all of a sudden basically just presented the ball back to the team they just worked hard to take the ball from and I think they I don't know if this is going to be exactly how they play at the World Cup because I think they got better throughout the tournament of course which is what you want to see but I just would like to see them be, you know, a little bit more. They don't have to be as as chaotic. I think you don't have to really do like the, you know, not to go to Broso again, but the 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 heavy metal football thing that Klopp has with like take the ball and then attack really fast. I think mm -hmm. if, I think they can. They have the talent. They have the players. They have the one v one. They have the skill on the ball. Each everybody on the pitch to be able to take the ball, hold it, beat a defender, move it on. And so I think if they do that. That's when they created so many of their dangerous chances. I think if you look back at the chance where they hit the bar, um, it was from an, a really good outside shot, but they won the ball, they recycled it, they moved it around, then they progressed it through midfield, and then it was a quick pass into the final third, and it was a quick flick because by that point, the U.S. was trying to win the ball back quickly, and a player got out of position. I think it was Haran who closed down, and they flicked it behind, and a player had a wide-open shot to be able to to put it on goal and it just it, it beat Nair but just hit the crossbar and I think yeah. a lot of their really good chances came from them being just a little bit more patient after they won the ball yeah and I feel like and that's for the U.S. game and I feel like for their other games for example for can't like when I I think I, I don't know if I tweeted this or just put it in, in one of the various group chats I'm in but I was like Brazil should have beat Canada like I know obviously I know the context surrounding Canada and how they were playing but like the they were doing a a semi-similar more not really oh yeah it was like it was like a it wasn't a high press but they were pressing it just like wasn't too to me to like the exact same amount they're pressing the u.s but there were definitely like a lot of moments where it was um they did lend themselves to their cha that chaotic element but it was also like chaos between two players versus chaos between like six right yeah do you know what i mean yeah um but yeah, I mean, for me, Brazil has all the pieces. And, like, also, I think, like, thinking back to the chances they had, I, the U.S., like, all right, what's the chance that it hits a crossbar or instead goes two inches under and either just hits upper 90 or kisses the top bar and goes, the crossbar and goes in the back of the net? Or, like, that one chance where Caroline was literally wiggling her way through um, and manages not to get the shot off. So, yeah, I feel like they were also a bit unlucky, kind of similar to Japan. Um where I thought they had some really, really good passages passages of play and were unlucky to not find the back of the net. Yeah. <laughs> when you mentioned that, uh, Caroline, because she also had another chance that really should have put Brazil up, but that one came after Zanarato just absolutely ran through the entire midfield. Uh, that oh, I remember that one too. was alarming. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? <laughs> this is not good. So yeah, that was, that was, that was, they got really lucky on that one, but yeah, that that's why it's weird. Like, yeah, they, I, I don't think it's wrong to think that, you know, persevering and getting the goals you need to get, you know, you had to be clinical. You had to suffer through a lot of matches, but also, I mean, if Brazil could just finish, they would have been up by a goal or two on that, yeah. in that game. I think the same thing with Japan. If Japan had to finish, I think if they would have started, we saw what happened in, in Canada and again, caveat we understand the, the situation in Canada that Brazil, that Japan team they played very well they figured it out you put Junindo on the pitch and she's gonna cause some problems and she caused a lot of problems and their attacking play was just much more sync much better sync better synchronized better synchronized much more synchronized whatever um and so yeah and and really before we get out of this I really wanted to give Japan a shout out because honestly even though the U.S. lifted the trophy, I think the team that came away with the most like growth, the most learning was Japan mm -hmm. because Japan figured a lot out. That 3-4-3 that they have is really intricate. It's really dope. 
the players they they use in it are really really good i mean the the passing was just absolutely outrageous and their positioning the way they move off the ball was so good they created a lot of of just really beautiful progressive work to move the ball around the pitch uh, with a lot of off ball movement and then you know they they got to the last game and they ended up scoring three goals when they've been goalless in the previous two and i think that's the piece they figured that out and part of that was getting junindo on the pitch I think part of that is going to get Micah Hamano on the pitch because that's young she's Bola. only eighteen, but she is young a problem. Bola. Yeah, so like if they if they figure that out and keep going, they're absolutely going to keep rising in terms of teams that really could make a deep run and get to a championship. And we'll be looking back at the She Believes Cup, like yeah, okay, well the U.S. lifted the trophy, but Japan's about to play for the play for a championship. So you know that that absolutely could be the case if they figure out the finishing. Yeah. I was going to say something else about Japan, but it escaped my mind. But yeah, I think, yeah, coming out of this, she believes of the people who were, or sorry, the team were that like really wowed me. It was Japan and ex- especially with the coordinated press that they hit the U.S. with um, was really yeah, good. And I mean, in that in that game, Casey Murphy had to come up with some big saves. And like even some of that are just like, yeah, like cat like reflexes. Like they were, I mean, they were so unlucky to not only not find the net in that game, but also to like low-key not win it like very unlucky all right let's move on to the just a roundup of winners and losers from the rest of the international window um i do want to give some shout outs uh conca cafferty um (laughs) to so our winners for conca caf are haiti panama um for making it to their first ever women's world cup appearance so dope which is incredible i know specifically for haiti they're the Second Caribbean nation ever to make it to the Women's World Cup following in uh, Jamaica's footsteps. So very much shout outs to them. Um, we're going to talk about Haiti's FA later because they are on our list of FA losers. Um, also want to give a shout out to friends of the pod, uh, Sandra and Anna, for correctly predicting. Yes. This was back, y'all. This was like April 2021. This is before W Champ. But... Uh, they correctly predicted that there would be more than four CONCACAF nations at the Women's World Cup this summer, and they were right. And didn't Anna actually specifically say six, and it turned out to be six? Yes. So, so shout out to Sandra and Anna, just doing the things on their crystal ball, on that crystal ball. I want to be like you one day, but on that crystal ball. <laughs> All right, Andre, are you ready to talk about winners and losers out of UEFA? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Let's start with our winners, and I'm I'm giggling because you should know what's coming. Uh, <laughs> winners, Lauren James and all of her fans. Correct. We're living the good life. Uh, technically yeah, also yeah. fans of England, but really fans of Lauren James. <laughs> living the good life. Uh, winners, Portugal, yep, who yep. also qualified for the first Women's World Cup ever. Lo- we, look, we love to see debutantes in the tournament. Um, also, winner, friend of the pot, Sylves. Yep, yep. Getting a new internet best friend of Ada Hegerberg. <laughs> yeah, shout out, shout out. F- famous era, like just don't forget about us when we go to the top. <laughs> That's just what I'm saying. Um, and also some winners: Wendy Renard, Diani, Marie Antoinette, Katoto, Griege, and Perla Moroni for speaking out against all of the bullshit that's going on in France, specifically mm-hmm. with the Fran- France women's national team. We're gonna, we're very much going to get into that later, but they very much deserve a shout out um especially i want to give special shouts um to diani and marie antoinette cototo because the when we think about france and obviously everyone knows leon but the fact that right now it is not only spanning the entire france women's national team but also spanning different club teams in france i think is not only really powerful but is also one of the reasons why hopefully we will see Diocre get out the paint out of that federation i really thought we we're going to come on and say she's out but we might have to wait maybe another week or two maybe a few more weeks um but obviously we support every player that speaks out against their federation and all the bullshit that they have to experience um and some losers out of uefa um any defender that has to defend lauren james <laughs> i'm sorry automatically the loser she they just took all the L's. <laughs> she she just like does not care about y'all and I just, I'm obsessed. Um, also, loser, Triple F, the French 
Federation of Football and Diacra, also Spain's FA. We're also going to get into that later. Um, and Andre, a potential loser at a UEFA, Denmark? Denmark? Yes, Denmark? because... Are you ready for this? So I'm I think uh, Denmark, unfortunately, has turned into a loser when it comes to the... <laughs> uh, because if you watched the Intercontinental Playoffs, you know that Haiti won, made it to the World Cup. They had slotted into Group D Ooh. of the Women's World Cup. And Group D is currently England, Haiti, Denmark, and China. <laughs> and so off the bat, obviously we did not know they had a slot where it said, what, like Group C or Group B winner from the Intercontinental Playoffs. We did know the team there. Um, but with Haiti slotting in and seeing how, I mean, we have known how well they played. If you were watching them CONCACAF W championship qualifiers all the way back like february 2021 um you knew they were doing some like honestly really great things uh on the field we obviously we always shout about melchie dubernay um a loser is myself as a fan of shirley judy who we do not know what her injury is but she came off injured in that game which broke my heart um but yeah i unfortunately think um denmark might have to go in the loser category because i think haiti is going to upset some folks i think they're going to upset some folks and really early very very early prediction is i think they're getting out of the group i love that and i love that when you read the name like the that group group d i was like oh yeah now i see fully why you put denmark in the losers because um it ain't like they've been playing great either but even still, I think that Haiti team is super, super underappreciated. And you got a superstar on there that just signed for Lyon as well. So, like, the talent is obviously there. We've been talking about it for a while on this podcast. But, yeah, and it's not just her. That's the other thing. <laughs> like, there are a lot of Haitian players who are They're very, ballers. very good. Yeah, who are killing it over there. So, like, yeah, you've. You've got some problems. And yeah, Denmark, Denmark is absolutely on upset alert. You're like, very sorry, Denmark. I mean, look, maybe Pernilla comes. Well, I mean, I'm hoping Pernilla comes back. Um, but yeah, like it's just now kind of question marks around Denmark because Haiti got some ballers. And it's like, okay, fine. We'll mark Melchie Dubernay. And it's like, just kidding. <laughs> look at the 10 players behind me who are about to make y'all look silly. Um uh -huh. So yes, sorry Denmark. Uh, rest of world winners, Andre. For me, Australia. Mm. I think they've they were just look that home field advantage makes yeah. a difference. I think they're all very excited for the fact that the Women's World Cup is coming to their country. Mm -hmm. You know what? So I think one of the biggest things for me with this with this team is that they figured out in this break that they can score without Sam Kerr scoring. And I think that's mm -hmm. dangerous for everybody because that that's kind of all you think about and all you have thought about when it comes to, to Australia. Not that they haven't had great players, but their best and most consistent goal scorer is, of course, Sam Kerr. She scored one goal mm -hmm. during this international break. They scored 10. That's a very good sign for Australia. And they scored some bangers. Like they play a fun brand of football and they just are not afraid to put their foot through the ball when they're like within 20, 25 yards and they got some snipers out there. So like, yeah, I'm and and hey, ain't nothing like a 25 yard banger to get an already crazy crowd even crazier. So oh, like, yes. yes, they're going to be a problem. They're 100% going to be a problem. Um, but yeah, I was saying, I was like, even though Sammy K only like only scored one goal, I was like, you know, Sammy K. I feel like she's like, even though she's not scoring, she's also like getting the team hype, which I feel like is important, like for vibe wise. Yeah. Very Fowler's coming in. But yeah, Australia's, they're going to do some things. I'm very excited for them. Um, and also, even though they did not, they were unfortunate to lose to um, the Czech Republic, which all of the commentators, Andre, I don't know if you watched this game, but all the, com all the Australian commentators kept calling them Czechia. And I was like, what is going on here wow. uh, during Jamaica's game? <laughs> That's <laughs> old school. I was like, huh? I was just like listening along being like, oh, this is uh, kind of bizarre. Um, but, you know, they did like, I know they're in a very tough group with France and Brazil, which really breaks my heart. Um, but they had, 
I saw some good things going on, even though they didn't have Bunny Shaw. Like, they were still finding ways to score his goals. Jody Brown is still a problem for a lot of folks. And I'm that just brings joy to my heart that Jody Brown is still a problem for a lot of folks. Um, but they also, I feel like one thing that's really important and you can really show that, and it like really also shows the the core group's experience of coming through a World Cup, not only qualification process, but, you know, going to World Cup playing and then looking forward of that fighting spirit of, you know, we think we can come out and beat everyone because what they were down 2-1 um, to the Czech Republic came back had to two were honestly quite unfortunate um to concede that third goal but also almost came back and scored a third it was there were some good things going on so this is like i the hype in my heart it's not slowly building but i'm just like getting really really excited about this world cup coming up because i think there are going to be a lot of teams that people are going to write off that might shock some folks like if you told me that for like jamaica like i don't know jamaica well, also depending on what happens in France, but like, I don't know if Jamaica got a shock tie against France or Brazil. I'd be like, you know what? I, I can see this happening oh, from yeah. the things that they've like the way they've been playing. Lauren Donaldson, honestly, someone built him a statue somewhere, but um, <laughs> he like, he's just got, he's got the group playing really well, especially without a player like Bunny Shaw, who is proud. I think her current goal total in England is a billion goals. Andre, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she's officially scored about a billion goals. Yeah, I checked the math on this earlier uh, today in preparation for the pod, and it is exactly one billion. Yeah, so she, she's doing the dang thing. And then before we get into our losers uh, for the rest of the world, but also including all the federations in this, um, a winner is me, myself, Courtney, and other people who follow teams in the NWSL are fans of teams in the NWSL um, who are tired of all white away kits. It's our time. New rules mean that teams just need a light kit and a dark kit for home and away, which means we might not have all white kits all the time. And I love that for me. I also love that Orlando, a winner, Orlando yeah. switching their kits to have black shorts. Yes. Incredible things. Um, and now on to the, well, our overall. On, sorry. I, cause I got really hyped about the story when it dropped too, but apparently the 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 light kit, dark kit thing, and being able to not have white starts in twenty twenty four. So not quite yet, but this is pain in my heart. <laughs> oh, Teal, my. mint, soul rosa, like like we got options in twenty twenty four, but this season we're probably still gonna have a lot of white. No, shorts. well at least they're letting the players not have not wear white shorts, um, which I have. <laughs> Look, it's rough. It is rough playing sports when you menstruate um well i'm a future winner i guess uh i was really oh man i was so excited wow i hate to see it um no but it's important because we're out here reporting packs um so that starts in 2024 so i guess we're gonna have to wait a full season but other losers um everyone including teams of the nwsl that did not put out any black history content do better like what happened all the promises you made in 2020 right or even the promises that you said you were going to continue doing in 2021. I haven't seen diddly squat from a lot of teams. Either no social posts or literally one social post for the entire month. While you also have teams out here highlighting historic black people from their cities. Going out, collaborating with black businesses in the community. So do better. I also like how some woke up on like the last week of February and was like, oh, let's put out something. Like we see y'all. Like glad you got here. But also February is a whole month. It ain't just one week. It's full 28 days. That's why we're taking March as well. Correct. But also this podcast is for black women. So really we get both months. Um, so yeah, those are some of our losers. Um, and the rest of our lo- losers, we have a long list of losers from federations. We got France's Federation, Canada Soccer, Peru, Chile, Haiti, Nigeria, Japan. Like, And honestly, there's probably a team or two that we're missing because I remember... Yeah. Actually, off the top of my noggin, I remember Colombia. Yeah. Um, their players have been speaking out for years about wanting, you know, better training facilities, actually getting paid. Um, so, Andre, the federations have been awful and continually and like are doubling down in their awfulness. So how are you feeling knowing about, I would say really specifically in the last month. Oh, sorry. I forgot to include Spain. 
Federation also being awful. Um, yes. In just these Federations being awful, how are you feeling? So the thing I also want people to note, because I saw, uh, I've, I've been seeing a lot of inaccurate headlines as well. I keep seeing, you know, for Canada, dispute about equal pay. I keep seeing these about like, just assuming what the struggle is. That's not true. People got to listen to the players on these things because the players are talking. And even though equal pay is important, it's very important. Some of this is just bare minimum stuff. Like Canada players want to know, where is the money? <laughs> we want a gold medal. We've been competitive for a few years now. We kind of have a golden generation going. We know we brought in sponsorship. We know there's been a lot of popularity for our players. We know there's been a lot of popularity in Canada for the team. Where is the money that's coming in for sponsorships? They said that they had a meeting before She Believes Cup. And this, was, this is something I thought was super shady. They told them, what was it, like a week before She Believes was supposed to start, that they were going to cut their budget in a World Cup year. And then they were like, oh, sorry, because we didn't inform you of this and you want to strike now. I'm sorry, you have to give us 14-day notice. And oops, I guess the tournament starts. Like, that's just underhanded garbage bullshit. So I was glad to hear that the president is out. He should have been out. Now they need to clean up everything that's going on in that federation. I really hope that there is some pressure. If it has to come from the government, fine. But somebody needs to find out where that money is going. I think people should do their own kind of research, look into a company called Canada Soccer Business. I think there's there's some, that's an interesting one. A lot of the money, I think all of, they signed an agreement that's like a 10-year agreement that starts in 20, started in 2018, um, where Canada Soccer Business gets a lot of the money from Canada Soccer. And what they do with that money, question mark, right? So there's that. Also with France, we know this has been a problem with Diacra for a long time. She freezes out players. She creates an abusive kind of toxic environment. There's all kinds of reporting that's been done over the years. And even though France has been super talented, uh, one of the most talented teams on the planet, they can't get over that hump. And almost because you, you shouldn't like look at the players and say, oh, the players can't do it because they have, have had to deal with this sort of environment. And it's just... And, and on and on and on. Like we see in Haiti's Federation, not really believe in them. They had to play a playoff when they probably shouldn't have. If they were supported correctly, they probably would have mm -hmm. qualified for the World Cup a while ago. Nigeria just ain't straight up paying players. Japan. Japan fed like it took. Naho Kawasumi was live tweeting She Believes matches for people back home in Japan that wanted to, that mm -hmm. wanted to follow the action. Because one, they didn't even send anybody who knew the damn Twitter password to do anything. But also, they didn't sign a broadcast deal. So nobody in Japan could watch Cup them. Year. In a World Cup year, right. It's just like, these are basic things that we're talking about. So it's not always about equal pay, but we need to get to that point too. But still, it is so frustrating to see that this is these things are still happening. These players are still being taken advantage of and not being supported in just bare minimum. Like, what do you want to do when you have a team that represents your country and they're playing soccer, particularly in a World Cup year. But even if not, how do you support these players? How do you support these athletes? And federations all over the planet are falling on their face. So my biggest thing is that, like, we're in a new era, right? Like we saw with, especially with England, you invest. This is what your team can do. This is what you can do. This is the level of accomplishment you can have. And we've seen so much. We've seen them pack every single stadium they play in in England now. We've seen, you know, that team is so popular right now. I would say they're even probably more popular than the men's team there. And the men's team in England is still really good as well. But mm -hmm. like you're saying so like the sport of women's soccer is exploding and these federations are continue, continuing to act like this is the old days. And that's kind of something that we have dealt with in the NWSL. We're shedding that a bit now. We're doing it's It's painful and we're doing a lot to do that. Um, finally, it's way overdue. And we saw the same thing with the U.S. Women's National Team against their federation in 2019 when they basically sued them before the World Cup, during the World Cup, put a whole lot of pressure on themselves, went out there and won it anyway. And then finally, even years later, because the year after they won the World Cup in 2019, they're doing protests in the She in the 2020 She Believes Cup because they still had to be in the midst of a fight despite their success. So... For me, it's just like the old days are the old days and federations need to understand, OK, y'all mistreated and did not um, did not did not support, did not offer the resources, did not fund your t your teams the way you should have. 
I hope you made all the money that you needed to make because those days are over. Like the lights are too bright. The sport is too popular. It is what it is right now. And you either need to get people out of there who still have old mindsets or we need to do whatever needs to happen to get to understand that this is not where we are right now. The sport across the globe has progressed. We expect adequate resources. We expect adequate funding. And these are things that just need to happen. And it's been really frustrating to see so many federations around the world dig in their heels and say, nope, you're going to have to force us. Yeah. And I mean, I also forgot to add Jamaica's FA to that list. Like, I I mean, we know the reason why the Jamaican women's national team exists, and it's literally Stella Marley. Like, otherwise that team would not exist. They would not have, you know, everyone loves getting all the like all these federations of being like, oh my God, look at how we support our athletes. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, the first Caribbean nation to make it to the Women's World Cup. Or look, we're one of the, our first gold medal in forever. Or like we, I mean, I don't want to bring England into this because I they're actually now doing better. But it's like, you want all the accolades of saying that you support these athletes, but yet you do the absolute bare minimum. And at some point, it's not even the bare minimum. You're doing less than the bare minimum, like right. not paying your athletes. Like, are you kidding me? Right. How? What does that say to your next generation of footballers? And I think that's one thing that really goes back to this, um, what these Canadian players are fighting for is it's like, all right, whatever. It's one thing if you cut our funding, you're also cutting the funding for the next generations to come. You're, you're cutting funding to the youth national teams. And it's like, those are supposed to be our future stars. And yet, even though you had a surplus, you literally had a 5 million Canadian dollar surplus. All of a sudden you don't have the $5 million you need to fund the women's national team. And there's actually some support uh, reporting out from Rick Westhead that I really just want to call people's attention to. He said, Canada soccer, this is me reading straight from his Twitter. Canada soccer faced crisis last fall amid preparations for the men's world cup with two women's national team games scheduled in november in brazil players were told told canada soccer couldn't afford their camp and trip only after a private sector donation prevented a cancellation of those two women's national team games that's ridiculous like where did the where did the money go because like it just doesn't make any sense in the fact that you're like oh we're we're not only in a men's world cup year we're heading into a women's world cup year and you're trying to cut out friendlies and things like that like it is like so many fas are just so deeply frustrating from top to bottom like anytime someone talks about the like the fight that these athletes have to go through on a day-to-day basis it's not only just like you know the life of being an athlete and the trials and tribulations of that it's also like trying to get the literal bare minimum from your federation and while fighting like internally and externally sexism it's like it's just ridiculous like the fact that jamaica signed that brand that splashy new deal with adidas and we're so excited about like getting those kits and stuff but knowing that at one point and i literally saw this from the reggae girls foundation instagram account they were fundraising for a camp to get to the concaf w championship they were literally fundraising like ridiculous it's it's so ridiculous and like so much like it needs to be so much better for like not only you know bigger federations thinking about like the resources that you know a team like france has a team like spain has even though technically it's like not 100 percent for their women's side (laughs) but they look france won a men's world cup in 2018 they got money you get money from that um and it's it's not just the big teams it's also the smaller teams that also get because they're smaller, get a lot less media attention as well. It's bad from top to bottom. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know what the solution is. Um, I just think for all of us, we need to continue to be loud, elevate exactly what the players are, are saying. And I think that's, to me, that's probably the biggest thing because I I don't think you do any good when you don't listen to the players and you just assume what they're fighting against. I think there are a lot of things that were said, particularly in the, in Canada's case, where they're looking at an absolute like mismanagement of funds. And I think you need to highlight that. We need to put pre- public pressure on to be able to figure out where is that money going. And I think that listening to players is the only way that we get there. So yeah, I'm, I want to just continue to elevate that, follow these stories, don't ignore them. Um, I know we all want to have like, we, especially World Cup here, we want to focus on the soccer, we want to focus on the players, we want to focus on all the dope, like the dope, how dope the event's going to be. We want to we do all that stuff. 
But I think just like we've seen here in the States with NWSL and with the U.S. soccer as well, all these fights that have happened, all this exposure of things that have been going on for years and years, it hurts. It's frustrating. Take time for yourselves when it gets too much. You know, make sure you reset yourself, have things you can do to take care of yourself and let yourself back up. But these stories and these things deserve the elevation, especially because the players do not deserve the treatment that they've been getting. I don't really have anything to add. I do. This is separate from the Federation thing because we didn't even put it in the rundown. And I'm sorry, I should have started the show with this. Um, Courtney, can you please let us know how you feel about Linda Caicedo to Real Madrid? You know that sound from TikTok of that little kid (laughs) saying all the pain in my heart? Um, That's me finding out that Linda Caicedo did not go to Chelsea. Obviously, I know it was like a super (laughs) random rumor and she was probably going to go to Barca. Um, I actually think it's a smart move from her seeing some analysis that some other folks did that, um, you know, she has a, it's still a, like a big jump and will like, like will let her grow as a, or get her to grow as a player. Um, But it's also not impossible for her to, you know, be starting for Real Madrid. Um, I know it very much benefits Sills. I do wish it was easier to watch Liga F games in the U.S. because I would want to watch her play on a regular basis. Also, now that it's like significantly easier to do that. Um, But yeah, honestly, I'm just excited to watch her play and also like very proud of myself that I genuinely like I remember in that we like the it wasn't in 2020, but it was in like either super late 2020 or early 2021 when the U.S. had those two friendlies against Colombia and none of the like none of the European based players could come um, for like COVID restrictions. So they were just like, let's play the teens. And it was like, why? but uh, I saw her touch the ball and I said, oh, young baller alert immediately. And then I immediately had to look up who she was and then learned she was 16. And then my brain broke a little bit. Um <laughs> But yeah, she is such an incredible baller. So I'm really excited about that. I think it is such a baller move to sign for Real Madrid on your 18th birthday. That is that is also cool, too. That is so dope. And yeah, I, I back what everybody else is saying. I think this was, in terms of the big clubs, I think this is one where she can almost make an immediate impact. We know how good she is. She'll be able to develop, but then there's really no barrier into her getting into a first team, like getting into the first team and actually showing out in that league. I think she's going to be excellent from from day one. Uh, and she also has time to grow if she needs time to grow into the league as well. Like I said, she is only 18, but we know how good she is as well. So, And I think Real Madrid needed to find some sort of player that they, that they were going to have that could be give them some sort of edge. You need a player who can do special things. And I don't want to put the pressure on her to like beat Barcelona or whatever, but we see the way that Real Madrid are trying to rival Barcelona. You know, they brought in Caroline Weir. They're bringing in players to kind of get more and more, you know, uh, get get closer and closer to Barcelona. Uh, It's going to be difficult, but I think this was an excellent signing because this is a legitimate star player and getting her young, getting her in, uh, she's going to, she's going to, She's going to terrorize that league, and it's going to be very, very fun to watch. She's also going to terrorize the Women's Champions League, which is much easier for us to watch. Uh, so I'm Correct. very excited for that. I hope that it doesn't come to bite us in the butt as Chelsea fans. Um, Same. But Please don't score yes. <laughs> Or like do it in like a, a 4-1 loss. <laughs> like we're still yeah, winning, but right, I get to enjoy exactly, a banger. Right? <laughs> um, 4-3, you can have a hat trick as long as Chelsea still wins. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, the fan base would be in shambles. Um, But yeah, like super excited about that. Yeah, signing that way on your 18th birthday. Also, I feel like for the first time, and I mean, this is probably very much recency bias, but I also feel like Real Madrid like did a lot of press about it. Like they were like releasing hype videos and stuff like that. And I feel like we don't necessarily see that super often, especially from um, like a lot of teams out of Spain. So it's dope all over. Yeah, yeah. So we already basically did our heated because it's all the Federation nonsense. And of course, Black History Month being ignored by so many people um, when, you know, we see y'all, when when y'all said y'all see us, y'all hear us, y'all support us and all of that. And then it doesn't happen. Uh, So how about we end on somewhat of of a higher note? Let's just go straight to hyped. Courtney, what are you hyped about? I'm going to England at the end of March. 
and I'm gonna go see Manchester City Chelsea and also Chelsea Leon. Oh, I am jealous. So I'm I am very super excited jealous. about that. Um, I am quite simply thrilled um about that. Yeah, that's probably what my hyped is. I <laughs> know that was not very not very hyped, but uh I truly am very, very excited about that. Uh no, I mean Where as as about? the president, founder, CEO, and 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 everything of the hashtag go to games campaign. I fully 100% support that as, and am extremely hyped for you to do that. Uh, I'm also, you know, not going to lie. I'm jealous. I'm very jealous. Uh, but yeah, those are going to be two dope games to go see. And again, if y'all can go see games, go see games. Sometimes you can be dope like Courtney and travel across the Atlantic Ocean and go and watch games live over there, which is really dope. But also for me, my hype is the NWSL is starting soon. It's starting this month. It's going to be great i'm saying this month because i know this is going to come out tomorrow which is going to be march 1st so don't worry about it it's starting march in march march 25th is the kickoff i believe every single team has single game tickets or will have single game tickets available as soon as this drops there are of course season memberships season tickets that you can buy as well i just want people to go to games make these stadiums rowdy this is going to be a very fun NWSL season. We saw what the offseason was like. There's so much intrigue all over the league. So many dope players on every single team. I think we can talk about who's going to be better, who's going to do what. Honestly, just the games and the standard and the style of play. It is the most competitive women's soccer domestic league we have in the world. Not here in, in America, in the world. We are blessed to be able to watch these players play as frequently as we can please go to games as often as you as often as you can as much as you can yell scream whatever what is it the smoke flares i don't even know if they allow flares <laughs> probably not but whatever you whatever you got to do to make Cannons noise and get in smoke. there and get rowdy just do it because it's gonna be fun and i love i want to really have like a legitimate rowdy like soccer environment in every single stadium because it is just such a dope sport and the players are so good and deserve it and if they can do it in the mls we should absolutely be able to do it in nwsl and even bigger because we got much better players when you look at the global standard of players we got some of the best players here uh that play in the nwsl week in and week out uh we're the best players in the world on the men's side typically play in europe a couple other places but they don't really play in mls so we got an opportunity to make this women's soccer like even more dope than it is. And uh, we should do that. So I'm hyped for that. And I hope that uh, everybody goes to as many games as possible. And that's it. That's it. Um, I have an article dropping tomorrow. So please read it. <laughs> that's Ooh, the only okay. thing I got to say. Uh, it's about it's still about Evie, but friend of the pod. Uh, but go read it. I second that. And uh, we out of here. We'll talk to y'all next week. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora UTD POD. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.